and welcome back to Bar Down Breakdown. I'm your host, straight off the island at Emo Built at Yes Man Outfitter, Devin Robinson. We got your boy live from the hive, Hawaiian Ryan at Mikey CLT. Michael. Devin, man. This is the, the greatest time of the year. It's closing in on it, man. Yeah, September, October. Starts to get a little cooler. Oh, Football's yeah. starting back up. Hockey's starting back up. It's just pumpkin spice everything. I just I, I love don't know it. about pumpkin I spice. It. I don't know about that. Oh, I'm all about it. I had a pumpkin scone. Oh, scone. Yeah. yeah, scone. Got yourself a sconer. <laughs> Huge sconer. I imagine that's what they say when you're in the scone community. Yeah, I'm a, I guess I'm a big sconer. You got a huge sconer over there. So, all right, enough with the dick jokes. Uh, yeah, uh, we've got a lot going on. Um, a lot planned. Some you know, most you know, some you don't. And it's it's all coming together, as uh, our friend B Cop would like to say. Um. <clears throat> Finishing up the design for the shirts for uh, your Carolina meetup and getting a lot of play on that. How many tickets are we up to on that? Uh, it is officially the largest group we have ever had in Carolina. And, and we're not we even st- done yet. We still have, what, a little over three weeks to sell tickets. So yeah, my personal goal is my personal goal is over 200 tickets. We get to over 200. Like that's going to be a, a new uh, a new peak for Isles meetups. Be dope. Be dope. I'm excited to be there. I'm working out the logistics. I need a truck so I can drive everything down there. Cause a two door Jeep Wrangler for a seven, eight hour drive ain't gonna ain't gonna cut it there, Mike. No, no. Um I, I had a Jeep Wrangler back in the day and I could barely fit myself in it, so I can imagine it'd be hard to get your tent and some brew brewskis and all that stuff down here. Be uh, a little toit, yeah, like a toiger. I got a, I got a mule, a bunch of stuff down here. So it's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a fun one, and uh, it's gonna be a warm one for those of you who aren't Carolina natives. Although mostly you are, but the non-Carolinians last year, I sweat my pucks off, if you will. It was, yeah. We'll definitely be hanging out under those tents because my pale complexion can't take a, you know, five hours out in the sun. I'll just be a lobster in the arena. Yeah, SPF a million for you. Yeah, so I'll be hanging out under your tent, my tent, any tent at any point. So we we have great intent. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. All right. Anyways, uh, yeah. So. Everything's coming along. We'll talk more hockey when there's more hockey to talk. Uh, but for right now, we're going to throw it to music. And we got a doozy of a guest for you guys this week. Uh, Michael Kluman. Yeah, we got Bryce Job, um, South Dakotian. I would assume that's how you would pronounce it. South Dakotian. Yes. South Dakotan. No. South Dakotan. Podium uh, would be correctly incorrect. <laughs> so Bryce Job is the the current drummer for the Spill Canvas, and Spill Canvas is one of those career bands now at this point that 
got us all hooked during those MySpace days. And, uh, you know, their, their classics all held a heartbreaker in the tide. And they've just been still consistent, consistently putting out good music. And uh, very excited to talk to Bryce and, you know, hear about what Spill Canvas has coming up. They have a, a doozy of a tour that they're going on. And then uh, also uh, to hear how he became homies with Ryan O'Reilly. Pretty, pretty uh, special story there. Yeah, we are excited to hear about it. And I'm sure they are too. And fire up your MySpaces. Get yourself nice and comfortable. Get your top eight out and listen to Bryce Job from The Spill Canvas. All right, let's do it. Had the notion that you make me change my ways. And the bad habits will be gone in a matter of days. I had the feeling that you'd open up my eyes to a whole new world that has since been in disguise. That day will most likely never come for me. And it's just my luck to end up getting stuck to everything you are. So tonight I'll sit and pick apart your pictures. And we're back in the box with our boy, Bryce Job. Bryce, what's up, kid? Yo, how are you guys? Thanks for having me. Hey, man. Very excited to have you on. Very, very excited to have you on. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk about some of the things you guys have been curious about so <laughs> that's that's the best ty- that's the best type of interviewee i guess yeah absolutely we get like i don't know you said you've listened to a few episodes so you started to pick up we've had a couple repeat teams we had some bruins fans we've had rangers fans we've had a lot of red wings fans obviously the og teams get a lot of love but it's cool to get a team that maybe you thought would be a little bit more difficult to find uh and you being a Oilers fan is actually <laughs> one that I didn't think we could touch upon. So that's awesome that we get to talk about the oil, the oil riggers out there, man. Yeah, you're going to get oiled. Is that the thing? Is that the thing? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. That's what I say when I play people in NHL and beat them with the Oilers. I'm like, oh, dude, you just got oiled. You just got oiled everywhere. <laughs> I think I just as easily could have been an Isles fan. Well, you got uh, the color scheme. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because basically my dad was a Broncos fan, so you know the like the, the early Broncos uniforms and the early Oilers uniforms were like that really gross orange and really gross blue. But but I picked up an interest in skating as a kid, and I was like, well, I want some sort of hockey jersey to to wear when I, when my mom takes me to go to open skate. And so you know, like the one player you think of when you don't really know hockey is probably Wayne Gretzky, and of course Wayne he's up. you know. It matched the color scheme and the little my dad knew about hockey. He bought me an Oilers jersey. And so at this point, it's been so long, I don't think I could really change over to anybody else. But I think it might have been the time frame when you guys had the Fisherman logo. So maybe the color scheme wasn't there. But. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely <laughs> unless you were born on Long Island with uh, family members that were Islander fans and you were forced into it there. That uh, that scheme at the time wasn't really drawing anybody in. Ironically, it was made to draw young kids in, and that's pretty funny. Now that I hear somebody say I would never root for them because of that scheme when I was younger. But 
I digress. And it's the other thing too, not Canadian, actually American. Yeah. Uh North Dakotan. North Dakotan? South, South Dakota. South, South Dakota. Dakota. I apologize. I apologize. No, no, you're good. They're a lot of people just think they should be mashed together well, into the I, Dakotas. But obviously not. Somebody thought it was important enough to denote that there is a north and south. Yeah. So, I mean like you live in South South Carolina, North Carolina. I live same in North thing going Carolina. On. Yeah. You live in North Carolina, so like, I mean, it's the same kind of thing. You can probably tell the different Carolina people from each other just by the way they drive, mostly. But <laughs> there's different um, landscapes. Like, there's enough change in the geography of the states that I think it warrants them where being is, split up. Where's Rushmore? Is that North or South? Uh, in South Dakota. Oh, that's so, South. So is my basically, favorite. South Dakota split into two parts. We call it East River and West River. Um, and West River is where there's the Black Hills and the Badlands and Rapid City and Mount Rushmore and the Sturgis Bike Rally. And then I live on the East River, which is the flat part <laughs> where you can see for miles and miles and miles because it's just plains, basically. Oh, this just in. South Dakota, actually dope because I knew all those things went on there, but I never think like, think of all the things going on in South Dakota. So, yeah. You've and swung I've, me in this very quick argument. I South Dakota, now my favorite Dakota. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I just went to Sturgis this year. I actually had some gigs there, and it was like during the bike rally. So I've lived in South Dakota my entire life and never actually went to the bike rally until this year, and it was something I've never experienced before. <laughs> so they crazy. get wild, right? Oh, it's insane, and it's literally like bikes, 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 nonstop. And it's like all this hilly mountainous terrain and you're driving through like i played in custer and that's like an hour drive outside of rapid up into the mountains and it's just like all you can see is bikes it's like never ends it's every single place to pull off and do something is covered with bikes now you but played that, with you played with spill canvas at Sturgis? no i did uh when i'm home i do like freelance stuff with a couple buddies and some random groups that i know random people for so I was gonna say I don't know if, I don't know if Spill Canvas is really the Sturgis scene. No, no, we're not Kid <laughs> Rock or ICP or something like that. So, <laughs> juggle, juggle, edition. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, I saw somewhere like I think it was like Billboard put out the the most popular band from each state, and the Spill Canvas was the most popular band from South Dakota. Ooh, yeah, I think some some kids I probably grew up with have tagged me in that over time. Like, you're the I, most not... famous band. I'm like, there's not much else going on around here, but <laughs> but yeah, it's cool. makes it like, harder in my eyes. So, <clears throat> let's talk hockey quickly before we yes. get into spill canvas. I'm actually super upset for you guys. I thought you lost a great uh, GM and Pete Chiarelli. Oh my god. <laughs> He was probably on your guys' like getting paid under the table, Payroll? I think. Yeah. Many, many people from the Islanders would agree with you, probably. That's got to be some sort of conspiracy somewhere that he was <laughs> secretly working for the Isles. But <laughs> there is nothing that guy loves more than get like just losing top end talent, like purposely. Insane. Yeah. Like losing yeah. generational talent. I agree. Um, this year's definitely kind of a refresher in that sense. I mean, with the, with Coach Tippett coming in and Ken Holland as GM, and I feel like with what he's been given, he's he's definitely 
done some decent trading. He's kind of created a lot of internal competition for that bottom six there. And a lot of those guys expire next year. So do or die time, I feel like. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's <laughs> it's so I don't it's so odd because there's so many pieces for you guys that are not my words, someone else's words, but yeah, escaped yeah. Edmonton really and gone on to do well. And it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me why it hasn't meshed there for them. I know. I mean, you have a core. A cent, I mean, you have Leon, who was a 50 goal scorer, had like 105 points last year. You have Nugent Hopkins, who had a career high of like 70 points last year. And now you bring in James Neal so he can play that winger position with Nuge. And then you got you know, McDavid dry on the top, but it's like finding those other wingers is yeah. like the, the issue. But like I said, we have a lot of good bottom six competition, but it's like we've had bottom six players for how fucking long. It's like at some point we need other people that can play with McDavid. And then maybe you move dry down to second center and you move Nugent Hopkins down to third center. But it's a whole lot of new things coming this year. So I'm actually really excited. And I even think I, I feel like you guys got bamboozled by a back uh, Rangers backup goalie just like everyone else has like I don't know <laughs> what it is with those guys man but I, I mean you, Hank obviously so well but his backups have saved seasons for them and and then they go and get jobs elsewhere and they just don't aren't able to replicate that type of uh you know type of performance there and I, you know there's got to be a goaltending coach or something over in Manhattan that's you know, producing these guys because they leave and they can't help you out. Can't you know Talbot was was there for a little bit. He's gone now to Calgary. Yeah, and then we got Mike Smith. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the deal we signed Koskinen to is really crazy. That was I feel like Peter Shirelli's last kind of nail in the in the coffin is like this guy just has not proved that he's worth that to yeah. sign for that term. But That's maybe he'll trend, prove us all wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think right now. The trend is going like you need a 1A, you need a 1B, guys that can play like 40 games each. So maybe if they can split up that workload, maybe it'll be all right. But I don't think Koskinen can handle, you know, 60-plus games. I don't think he could do it. We're, we're the kings of 1A and 1B. Like, you Oh, know, absolutely. We, we did it last year with Leonard and Grice, and now we're going to do the same thing this year with, you know, Varlamov and Grice. So... It does work when you when you have two guys that can hop off the bench, you know, pretty much cold and just, you know, steal a game for you. Yeah. How did you guys feel about Leonard leaving? Oof. <laughs> uh, you don't hate him as much as Tavares, but he kind of did the same thing. No, not even not nine um, years, but it's in a not even close. It's it's a really weird feeling. I guess we've had the answer from a few people now. So I kind of I have it in my head where I can communicate it. Um, one, you love the guy Two, um, you fell in love with the guy because you thought there's no way they don't resign him here. Right. Absolutely. And, That's what and, I thought. and then three, um, go get your bag, go get your money. Um, I, I don't know why he didn't. I don't know why he struggled to find a landing spot. I mean, the guy, um, proved to be a good, you know, starting goalie for you know for a team i'm wondering if maybe a lot of people are taking stock into the fact that barry trotz is a amazing defensive coach and took that defense from you know worst to first in one year so they're thinking maybe his play is indicative of a good team in front of him so he didn't get that he didn't get the money he was looking for um 
And then this is kind of where the the great divide of Islander fan, I you know Islander fans is is either um, you don't understand what Lou is doing this year, you don't know why we couldn't pick up a big time player and, and build on what we built last year, and why would you let Laner sign? Or you know you're on the other side of the fence where it's we love Laner, but it's all a business. There's a plan. There's something else going on, and they'll have it figured out. I mean, that's kind of the thing. I'm on the it, it's. It's nothing personal, it's just business. Because there is uh, a goalie in the KHL that is supposedly the real deal Holyfield coming in. So I think the plan is the plan was to get Varlamov because that's that guy's very good friend. Have him Yeah, that's what I heard. Yep. yep yeah, sure. have him start the year and kind of like build that bridge to get this guy Sorokin over who was under the last regime basically told him I will never be an islander if this is who is going to run the team. So I, there, the fact that they've even got him talking about coming over here is awesome. So if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Yeah. I mean, from that perspective, it's definitely just like business and probably going to help for the long term more than just the next five years. So, I mean, Mike, you haven't talked about Lanner. How, how do you feel about it? I think he got kind of caught with his pants down. Like he was trying to play hard to get and, you know, Lou just didn't bite. You know, the no- <laughs> negotiations kind of went south real quick. And then when, like, other teams weren't knocking down his door, he was like, all right, no, I'll, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just kidding, Lou. I'll, I'll definitely sign that deal you offered me. And Lou was like, nope, we already left. Like, we already got someone else. I think that's the, the real way it played. You know, I don't blame either one at that point. So, you know, Leonard will always have a place in Islander fans' hearts for, you know, just the courage that he showed personally and like the way that he had such a bounce back, like that's, that's the stuff movies is made of like, you know, to, to show people that you can overcome some of the demons and you can still live a successful life. Like, even though you have addiction problems and you know, you got to just give your, you know, hat off to Robin Leonard and you wish him the best, but you know, at the end of the day, Varlamov and Grice are our goalies now. So that's that's who uh, who has my heart now. Absolutely, yeah, we're basically man. just we're all just rooting for laundry, like Seinfeld says. <laughs> you yeah, know what I basically. mean? Like, yeah, everyone got so bent out of shape because they fell in love with Lanner, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I was actually gonna supposed to see him when he played for the Sabers, but I think one of his relatives had passed away. That was uh, in when he played in Buffalo, the first Ryan O'Reilly story, <laughs> which we can get to. Eventually. Yeah, so. So I, obviously you're a touring musician. So you know South Dakota and Edmonton aren't right down the road from each other. So no, when you're on the road, do you get to catch Edmonton games, or you know just try to catch any NHL game that you can while you're on the road? Um, so Minneapolis is like four and a half hours. So if they come to come to town, I'll try to go watch them there for my honeymoon. We, me and my wife, drove to Edmonton and watched the game where they played uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins and Crosby scored that ridiculous overtime goal where he completely broke uh All right, we need Strom's to stop ankles. right here. <laughs> we, we need to stop right here. You're telling me your wife let you go to a hockey game for your honeymoon? <laughs> I thought my wife was cool, but holy shit, she takes the fucking cake. Yeah, so, so the deal was, like, Banff is, like, four hours away, and so I was like, well, if I can go to an Edmonton game, 
I'll take you to Banff. So it was the perfect trade-off. We went to uh, Edmonton versus Pittsburgh game for our honeymoon in Canada. And that was the first time I'd ever gone to a hockey game in a Canadian market. And it was legit. Insane. Absolutely insane. Never have. I, I feel like that's got to be something that I accomplish in my lifetime, too, since hockey's so important to me. Yeah. And so then, like, our, our condo was, like, overlooking Roger's place. And so we walk back after the game and we get in the elevator and it's freaking uh, the assistant coach, Glenn Glutzman or Glutzman, who like had just gotten the job there from Calgary and we're up in the elevator with him. And I'm just like, holy crap, like freaking out. And my wife's looking at me like, what? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, good game tonight, coach, as he like steps out of the elevator. Goes, oh, thanks. And, like I'm wearing a bright orange, like Oilers jersey, <laughs> like <laughs> What do you think? I wasn't going to recognize you, man. Come on. But that was like very surreal. I don't know. Just to experience that was was wild. What what time of year was it? Because, you know, obviously Edmonton in the hard, harder winter can be pretty brutal. Yeah. So we got married in uh, on October 20th. So it was literally three days after, I think, three or four days after that. So like okay. right in the midst of the season getting rolling. So it was awesome. So not too cold yet. No. No, it's perfect weather for us over here. So they so they just rebuilt uh well when when did they move to the new place? Uh I think it's been two two years, maybe three now. I remember looking at the plans for it and thinking, wow, this place is awesome. And it was like at a time where like Connor I I Connor had just resigned or was about to resign and you had I think you had Eberly yeah, you had Eberly mm, I don't know. I think but it would like, have been his was, last year. Yeah, it was just one of those all of a sudden, like, oh, the Oilers are putting everything together. Like, look at the rebranding. They just redid the jerseys. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it just seemed like it was like everything was coming together. And then you had this big, beautiful stadium to do it at. It's, it always looks awesome. All those Canadian more as as two people that go to a lot of away games, and you always you have to appreciate the Canadian market because you go to some hockey games in some places that maybe aren't um, exactly hockey centric. I.e., well, Washington has turned into it, but. Yeah, you know, I can only imagine like Carolinas, but they've turned it up this year. I mean, well, how, how cheap can a, you get tickets there? <laughs> I, have a bone, I have a bone to pick with that. I mean, <laughs> it's easy when football's over over there and there's nothing oh, going true. on, and suddenly there's a team in the playoffs. Like, oh yeah, you know. Yeah, but before then, I mean, you could probably get like pretty prime tickets for pretty dirt cheap. I assume. I actually oh, you still have can. a source that you get two hundred <laughs> tickets from right in the lower bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 55 nice. bucks yeah mike mikey mikey is running a uh a group thing for islander fans they actually islanders open on the road against the canes and uh there are 200 tickets that we're, we're we're probably gonna end up getting sold in the lower bowl and i was just saying to him it's crazy like how we're able to have access to those tickets when they just made the eastern conference finals last year you know and he said he's like it's not hockey south you know yeah Definitely. Yeah, like what they want it to be. You have uh, mentioned on social media that you are homies with Ryan O'Reilly, and we were talking with Shane Told a, a few episodes ago, actually you know, earlier on when we were getting started, and that's one of the names that came up where he was like, yeah, you know, started to name some hockey players that actually have decent taste in music, and Ryan O'Reilly's name came up, so... Can yeah. you elaborate on that? How, how did you Dude, uh, end up becoming homies with him? And does he really like legit good music? 
Yeah, his his favorite band is like My Morning Jacket. They're kind of like bluegrassy, but he's got great music taste. Um, so we were on tour and we did we were doing a weekend in Buffalo. Uh, the first night Saturday had sold out really fast, so we added a matinee on the Sunday. And so we get done with the show, and I'm just hanging out behind the merch table, and O'Reilly and his now wife at the time they're just engaged. I think Dana come up to the merch table, and I'm just I know who he is immediately. And like I'm just sitting back, and our guitar player Evan like kind of helps him out and stuff. And I I hear him go, "Yeah, I'm a hockey player. Uh, here's my number. Uh, we play a game tomorrow. Just get a hold of me if you guys want tickets." And I like jumped up and I'm like, "Dude, you're Ryan O'Reilly, man. Like you're not just a <laughs> hockey player. Like you're like you're an NHL. Like you're a star. Like you're you're I don't know. Like you're not just like yeah. Stop stop yeah. being so modest. Yeah. So he ends up buying like." a hundred and two hundred dollars worth of merch and stuff like that and we start talking chatting and it just so happened that we would have this show the next day and be done in time to go to the game and so he got us tickets uh it was like seven of us um and we went and watched him play the canucks and then after the game we hung out like very briefly um and just kind of shot the shit a little bit more and they had to fly to boston so they didn't have a ton of time but we just kind of kept in touch and just texted over over time and because he, he, he likes to play guitar and his kind of escape from hockey is music and my escape from music is hockey so we kind of bond on that that level um it's not like we talk like super often but every once in a while i'll give him a phone call or we get we chat uh text wise but this last season when he got traded to the blues i was like <laughs> now that you're closer i gotta go see you more and it just so happens that like in april me and my cousin go to see him play. And this time, instead of like kind of higher up seats, we get row seven. And it's like insane spot. And then after the game, we're hanging out like underneath the arena where all the players come out. And I made sure I came to watch the Oilers play. So I see McDavid and all the Oilers all come out as they're like leaving to go. And I'm just like, what is happening right now? This is not even real. I'm I'm like fanboying hard. Like some people fanboy this hard at like Nick our singer and I'm surrounded by just all these players that I don't know, I watch all the time. So it was just very weird for sure. So I'm just like trying to keep it together, trying to like act normal and cool, like, oh hey, what's up, McDavid? How's it going? Yeah. Nice to meet you, dude. <laughs> like what? <laughs> and then afterwards, when O'Reilly finally comes out, he brings me a signed stick. He was like, All the best, your friend Ryan O'Reilly, whatever. And he's like, my aunt and uncle are in town and we're all going out to eat at this restaurant. If you guys want to come, like, feel free to come hang out. I'm like, well, okay. Why would I not come? <laughs> so I had to go change out of my Oilers jersey quick because I had about had it with all those guys chirping me, hanging out with O'Reilly in an Oilers jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to this restaurant after it fits maybe a hundred people it's like this classy looking but hole in the wall place and i walk in with my cousin and o'reilly's sitting at the bar like talking to someone else and i walk up to him and he's like oh yeah i'm gonna get a table pulled up top and i look up top this like raised level and there's Braden shen Jaden schwartz who just scored the hat trick that night alex steen michael delzato joel edmondson Robert Thomas, all just hanging out at a table. And then there's Ryan O'Reilly's wife, his aunt and his uncle, and then two more chairs for us. <laughs> so we like 
have dinner with these guys. And I don't know. It's, it was just crazy talking to him about hockey and his transition from, you know, literally not wanting to play hockey anymore to just loving, loving the game and yeah, loving the, the game <laughs> and loving the team. And then, yeah, literally a month later they win the Stanley cup. And I, and I texted him, I was like, on fucking believable dude i cannot believe it and he's like does not even feel real right now like it's still now he just did a media day and he's like still just doesn't feel real you know just hasn't hit him but he's just the most down-to-earth dude ever paid for the tab like it's like you guys want to stay we got a game tomorrow and a morning skate i'm like uh that would be awesome but we'll come to your morning skate at least because we had to hit the road so as if he didn't do enough already, we go to the morning skate the next day and they're taking like team photos and it's literally me, my cousin, nobody else. And like the general managers walking around, but like no one from the public, no one from the press. And he brings us down into the locker room and like shows us all the equipment, like where they all eat together. All the boys are hanging down in the locker room. So I got to meet more of the guys. Just insanity. Jeez. Like just a normal day for him. And, and I'm like trying to keep it all together. Like, like this is like things that not a lot of people get to do or like get to experience. So just the fact that he is just so like giving and caring and it's like nothing to him. You know, it's like another day at the office to him. But he's like, yeah, just come, come on, hang out. Come on to the locker room. All the boys are hanging out. I'm like, all right. He's <laughs> just like sitting in the locker room with guys who a month later, like win the cup. It's just it's wild, man. Very surreal. Well, I don't know how Devin feels, but that's sometimes how I feel with this podcast because, you know, I'm a fan of the music that we talk about and like, you know, having a conversation with Shane Told is was like unbelievable. Like I I still can't get over the fact that that happened. And I feel like it's kind of, you know, relatable how hockey players and just musicians are just down to earth people and they're just awesome. So I'm glad you got to experience it because that's kind of like what I'm experiencing right now. So it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely, man. That was a great podcast you guys had with him. He's a he's a really cool dude for sure. I've never met him. Shane? Yeah, yeah I've never I, met I, him. I feel like uh, it might be a little hard for the your two bits to cross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think uh he wanted to have Nick on his podcast actually. Yes, I, mean, I would some, love that. I would love it cuz I'm a fan of that podcast too. Huge fan of that podcast. Yeah, and for some reason it was like one of my friends who knows Shane. So I don't know. I'll be the one who will link that up. I think <laughs> that was a raw pod. That was a raw ep- like raw episode too. Yeah, because I because just came like from I, the game and everything. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Because <laughs> came home and then we haven't like obviously we are, are you know we are so grateful for the response that we get from some of these people. We would thought we would never message us back, um, and then for a minute I completely for I like I was just like talking into my computer and forgetting who I was talking to where like it has never gotten contentious before with anybody. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> I was like, Oh, maybe I should back it down a little bit. <laughs> no, that's good though. I like like the rawness of it, you know? Yeah. Well, that's hockey, you know? You, yeah. At least, you know, it's, uh, I still, you know, like I said at the end, and I, I meant it too, you know, like Silverstein growing up for me was one of, you know, the, biggest influences in my you know musical taste and probably you know teenage years so you know he's he's a huge figure in my life as but you know 
he's a Maple Leafs fan, so he's got to he's got to hear it from me for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. I don't make the rules; I just play by them. You know what I mean? So, so okay. Bryce was yeah. was Shane there for? I mean, uh, was Ryan O'Reilly there for the spill canvas, or was his wife yeah. the spill canvas fan? Um, they were both they were both spill canvas fans. His wife's like a bigger spill canvas fan, but he was. He still really likes the music too. Like, yeah, because I mean, I, I sent him like mixes of the new record, and that was like right after the he won the they won the cup and stuff. And he's like, "Man, I really dig the sounds on this." And I'm like, "Just the fact that he's like listening to it is <laughs> pretty crazy." Because I know his life is probably like extremely hectic at the moment, so it's very cool to me. Like, well, not only do I get to talk to him about how he like approaches a face off with Connor McDavid, but he listens to my music and gives me his advice about it. So, so I don't know who's a bigger Spill Canvas fan, though, him or Julia Stiles. <laughs> so I, I think I might have talked on, about this at the very first episode. But back when I was in high school, I went to a Spill Canvas show. Um, you know, this is before One Fell Swoop. This is like, you know, like the original Spill Canvas like tour that they went on like mm-hmm. with, with that band, The Umbrellas. Oh yeah, and long uh, time ago. oh, very long time ago, like two thousand three or four. And Julia Stiles was there at the show in New York City, the wow. Save, the, Save the Last Dance girl. Yeah, the uh, the actress. She, yeah, yeah. So, what has she done recently? Has she done anything uh, recently? Good question. <laughs> no clue. So, yeah, I guess then Ryan O'Reilly definitely uh, is the cooler celebrity spill canvas fan. Yeah, my vote is Ryan O'Reilly. I don't know yeah. where you were going with that. <laughs> I mean, it's like. The dude is just so chill, and it's like internally I might be freaking out, but like I know he just wants to have like a normal conversation. So it's like <laughs> just he picks my brain about music, and then I I kind of pick his brain about like random hockey stuff. And it was just cool him talking about like the culture of the locker room in Buffalo and how they were trying to just bring in young guys around Eichel, and like that's how they were going to build the team. They could grow together. But the thing that was working in St. Louis and what was making them all like super for playing for one one another was like the veteran presence and like mm. i don't know he's like Patty, you gotta Patty have those, yeah he's like you gotta have those older guys who can teach you to be pros you can't just like have one guy who's thrown in the mix and immediately made a captain and like try to raise everyone together like you gotta have people who've been doing it right. in the league already right I mean, he's right. I mean, that's the that's the Capuano era in in a nutshell. Was all those guys kind of just kind of like thrust together with no with no veteran presence, and you gotta learn how to do it. There's gotta be someone there to tell them like yes, no, and and what to do. You know what I mean, Bryce? It really uh, makes no sense why you're an Oilers fan, but I'm hoping <laughs> that it makes a little more sense how you ended up joining the Spill Canvas because. You know, it's just fact that you're not like an original member. So how did that come about? Yeah, so um, I grew up in Aberdeen, South Dakota, um, which is like three hours north from Sioux Falls, where the band is from. And so like I grew up, I knew who they were, obviously. And it kind of gave me hope that like you can be from South Dakota and make it in, in a band, you know, so. Um, after high school, I moved to Denver and was building custom drums for this company. It was just like a Keller shell company called Save Your Custom Drums. Um, that didn't pan out very well. And after like eight months, I moved 
moved back and I didn't want to move to Aberdeen. So I figured Sioux Falls was the biggest city in South Dakota. So I would try it out there. And uh, I got this job managing this rock and roll academy in town, teaching like little underprivileged kids how to play instruments and play in bands together. My buddy who I grew up playing music with in Aberdeen ended up moving to Sioux Falls as well. And he's a sound engineer. And so there was this uh, show, and this was probably around 2014. So Gestalt was the last full length that came out in 2012. And the band was kind of on a hiatus at that point. And they decided to do Nick's solo record. And so Nick did an acoustic show. My buddy ran sound. And backstage, he was just talking about needing a new band put to put together because Joe, the old drummer, was married with kids, didn't want to tour. Um, Dan, the old guitar player, same story, married with kids, didn't want to tour anymore. And so my buddy Nate suggested me. Um, and Nick gave me a call the next day. We talked for probably about two hours because he likes to ramble a lot. That's just what he does. He gets on a topic and he can just talk forever, but that's what I love about him too. He's just, he's a funny dude for sure. But we probably just hung out for like three or four months before he had even heard me play. Um, and at that point I just thought I was going to be playing in the solo, the solo band, you know, it was literally called the Nick Thomas band. And so we did a, an acoustic tour just because he hadn't toured in probably fully in probably three or four years. And he was, coming off like hard drugs and things like that so he didn't really know if he wanted to tour again and so we did like a short probably a week run just to get his feet wet just just so he could see if he could do it still and it was super successful so we talked to Landon the bass player we talked him into quitting his job at insurance because I was like I'm 26 and they're like 34 so I was like this little young buck who was super enthusiastic and kind of like ignited this fire under these guys who had been jaded by years of touring and being on a major label and all that stuff. So Landon quit his job at insurance and we, we did like a Nick Thomas band tour as like a full band. And then it had come to the time where it's like, we're coming up on 10 years of one fell swoop. Do we want to try to do this bill canvas again? And so we had to kind of do like the whole, legal hoops and battles to get the old members to give up their rights to the band or we're kind of like in a paying them off kind of situation right now. <laughs> it's a very complicated thing. Really? But I don't know. You, yeah. you know. you would think like the spilled canvas, like even though there were like members, members, it's, it's Nick. Yeah. Yes. That's kind of how so, I, I heard of the spilled canvas, like so, yeah. MySpace days and whatnot. And so I, Nick I, I recorded Sunsets and Car Crashes himself. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and so when they did One Fell Swoop, Landon still wasn't in the band at the time, but Joe and Dan were. So when they got signed, Nick, Joe, and Dan are managers on the LLC. And because Landon didn't join until after One Fell Swoop was recorded, he was just added as an employee on the LLC. So even though Landon's basically the OG member in my books because he's been there since like literally once one fell swoop was recorded the old never quit and Landon has been in the band ever since and he's like an essential piece for sure um so when those two quit they owned a majority of the LLC so they had like all the leverage over like the name rights and all that stuff so basically we had to come to an agreement on an amount that 
once they're paid off, like a certain percent, they get a certain percentage of gross till X amount, and then they can go fucking die for all I care. So it's tough to like hold that from someone because you you know that those songs mean probably so much to Nick, and yeah. then like and, to, and Nick's the most not... selfless dude, and that's yeah. and he's like, you guys were my brothers, and I and I split it even, and now it's coming back to bite me in the ass because I was so humble and selfless you know always fucking happens that way man yeah it does and to sweeten the pot uh joe his his wife is an entertainment lawyer <laughs> so oh my she God. was the one sending us all these like threats and stuff and we're like this is like a huge conflict of interest and like uh it, it was dicey man but and we have I we have an agreement in place my now next so. point because the label that sunsets and car crashes and one fell swoop came out on it's not a label anymore, right? Like 111 Records? No, so I think it was like a part of like Sire Records, and then that eventually became like a part of Warner Brothers. Okay. So it was like the guy from LFO, I think. Hell New yeah. kids on the block had a exactly. bunch of hits. Yeah. Um, one of, one of, he was the guy who saw Nick and signed him. Holy and, crap. Yeah, at a random, random show. In South Dakota? Um, I think Nick had been just touring acoustic, or it might have been like the early full band days, but I'm pretty sure he signed him. Yeah, because he had to sign him before One Fell Swoop. Oh, yeah. Rec came out on it. Yep, exactly. But yeah, so I think he would have been touring Sunsets with a band that was probably like the OG OG lineup, but never really toured much. So then Nick just went out acoustic. And I think that's how he got discovered. Man. So, like, I'm sure all these years later, Nick is probably, you know, a little sick as playing, like, all hail the heartbreaker at this point. But for, like, <laughs> you, who's been in it for, like, five years, do you yeah. still just get amped up? Because that is such a great song. And then, like, you know, all of One Fell Swoop is just so awesome. So, like, for you, coming into these songs later, is it just, like, so awesome to get to play them every night? Yeah, it's it's super awesome, and I mean the the fun thing is I I would consider like those records like we've been a band for like fifteen years now, so I mean some of those records are like ten years old. So you come and hear them live, and not only have these guys played them a million times, so it's like incredibly tight. But we've added all these new like little intricate parts or these little changes that really make our live show like a crazy experience. Like I I would say a lot of our songs sound better live than they do on the recording because of all these cool little things that we do that keep those guys entertained over, over all these years of playing them as well. But um, me coming into the group was kind of a cool thing. And Nick tells me a, a lot. He gives me that, that credit that I ignited that fire and kind of brought a new life back into him. Cause he was pretty jaded by, by traveling and the fallout with uh, Warner brothers. So I probably, just brought like a little different taste to the group and would throw my little flair on top of things that they had already kind of changed before. But I still like to keep the fills that, that Joe did on the record that are important like there, but obviously things evolve over time. And like I said, I think things sound so much better now because we've been playing them so long and I don't know, you change things and you just grow tighter as a band for sure. Yeah, and a lot Keep of times in the studio you're writing them 
at that time. So it's like you don't really have time to change them or retweak them. Once they're there, they're pretty much there. Keeps the brain moving. Yeah. Keeps everyone, like, fresh. Yeah. Because even if it doesn't immediately impact, like, you know, maybe you try try something out, doesn't immediately impact the song that you're – trying it out on you have that now kind of you know what i mean like yes maybe somewhere down the line you use that that's happened to me a lot like designing where it's like oh i'm gonna try this and i'm like oh that doesn't look good but now i know how to do this so in the you know in the future you know i can throw that on something else you know yeah exactly i mean i think with any record you could just spend so much time perfecting and changing and doing that but like once it's out it's out and then it's like the fun part about being like a rock and roll band is that you get to change things and make them more fun for the people who have been coming out to your shows over a span of 10 to 15 years. So, yeah, especially, yeah, you know, because you're listening. You, I mean, these people, you guys have been playing these songs, but these people have been listening to these songs for 10 to 15 years. I mean, you guys are, Spoke Canvas is a, is a, is a staple sound of early early to mid 2000s emo music in my eyes. You know what I mean? Like your sound is part of the soundtrack for some of these kids for their teenager, you know, teenage years. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's yeah, just crazy. So. I never, I, like like I said, I grew up listening to them and, and it, the fact that they were somewhat successful, like gave me like a lot of hope to like keep playing music and then to end up meeting Nick and to really click with him on a personal level before he had even heard me play. And then when that chance came to play, I was like prepared. Like I knew every spill song and, and his solo record. So anytime he, he called a chart, like I knew it, you know? So yeah, I was prepared when that opportunity came. But like I said, we, he was just feeling me out because I mean, like those other guys had, like he said, he considered them his brothers and they went to high school together and they had been a band for 10 years, you know? And yeah. so like, these are guys that you're, you got to make sure you can be around them every day because the hang is more important than than the being able to play i feel like <laughs> especially, oh, especially on, the, on the tour like show's you know, only an hour long about, yeah hour long <laughs> exactly. the rest of the day holy cow yeah for sure i can i grew up in the midwest not very far from him so me him and landon all clicked very instantly and been very well and we're very close so it's helped and then we have uh evan who's been in for a couple years now he he grew up in uh, Boston, so he's an an East Coaster. So he has like a different, I don't know, approach to life, and he's a little bit more brash and just tells it tells you how it is or how he's feeling. And we're very like Midwest passive aggressive, <laughs> like oh, okay, uh, all right, Evan, uh, whatever you say. <laughs> um, but it's but it's a good it's a good mix. It's a good balance for sure. Well, here's to another you know 15 years of the spill canvas. I feel like if you made it this far at this point. You're like a career band. You know what yeah. I mean? And I mean, that's kind of what, what, what this has been coming to is like, we've done all these anniversary tours and now it's like, we're the next tour is called the decade and a half tour. And we're kind of playing a lot of sunsets, which is a lot of these have never been played live. And then we're doing like a lot of the bangers from all the other records and kind of just ushering out that old era. And then ushering in the new era like the rebrand the new record and all that kind of stuff and hopefully be signed to a label that we can all get behind and really be behind the deal so you guys ever explored doing uh i don't know exactly what like your own label i, I you know self-release and stuff like that 
like the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Nick, Nick loves the Eagles. Um, we've thought about it. Uh, I don't know. It's, we probably could, like, if we don't get signed, we'll just self-release it and put it out anyways our, right. on our own, probably under the guise of our own label. But just having, um, like, a budget to maybe shop around some people to mix it, like, that's one initial cost that we're kind of, like, wishing we had a little bit more of a budget with is to have these different engineers mix and hear different ways that these songs can be interpreted because this the recorded songs are great like all the audio is incredible it's just like what mixer can really like take it to the next level and then mastering of course is like a whole nother deal but like people don't want to do test mixes for free you know it's like yeah <laughs> people got to be paid yeah. and if, if a producer wants a thousand bucks a song you know that adds up pretty quick especially if we're not like on the road a lot or bringing in a ton of consistent income right now that really adds up especially when we just spent all the money on recording the record and living out in the hills of Pennsylvania for a month to do it. So, right. Yes. Yeah. See, I'm, I don't know. I, I have this weird gene where I'm like very interested in the making of stuff. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I, the product is good or whatever, but like, I don't, so to hear like what goes into actually making a record, like the nitty gritty and stuff like that. I'm like super interested in that. That's actually the most in-depth answer I've ever gotten from, somebody so that so that's cool and also too i've been i'm my taste is a is like slightly heavier than than mikey's mm-hmm. and so like i like my favorite band is um, a data remember and they had the famous fight with victory um records then they oh, dropped yeah. they won the lawsuit they dropped from the label and then they self-released an album under adtr records so and it was kind of like coinciding with, you know, that where everyone was going to start picking up streaming and stuff. So I'm like, oh, well, this makes sense. Like everything's a little bit easier now, you know. And and then suddenly, like last week, they just signed to Fueled by Ramen out of nowhere. So I'm yeah. like wondering, like, what would like how you guys make those types of decisions? You know, I don't know. I just feel like it's a DIY, you know, generation now. So I was wondering if it's like easier to do it yourself at this point with not needing the backing of a record label, you know, a label, you know, not needing the backing of a label. Jesus, I learned how to talk with social media and stuff. But I guess there's a lot of stuff I don't understand. So, yeah, man. So it's kind of a similar story with with the band. Um, They were signed to Warner Brothers, so they didn't know really I'm fine. And then I don't know if you guys have listened to the record Gestalt. It's the one that came out in 2012 that's mm-hmm. probably like my, my favorite record oh the chicago song. is like oh, the yeah. greatest song ever like some so real good. shit like some real shit um that nick talks about um anyways uh there was a record and a couple of eps called uh formalities and abnormalities and that kind of stuff whatever the yeah. fuck the names are but basically the band wrote gestalt brought it to the label and they hated it and so they forced Nick to go to L.A. and do all these co-writes with people. And that's what those records are, is all these songs that the band basically didn't even really play on that the label forced Nick to do. And he's like, well, fuck it, then. We're just going to put these songs out to get our contract over with you guys. And then once that was over, it was like, peace. Then they re- recorded Gestalt and self-funded it and put it out themselves. So I think we have the grassroots following to have a successful launch because honestly if we don't get signed we will just hire the same PR company that our label probably would hire and that's kind of what it comes down to is just 
having a budget to consistently pay the the PR people to have a proper release um, across all platforms so that the most people hear about it. Because, I mean, gotcha. people aren't buying records. People no. are streaming. But you have to have like a successful marketing strategy behind the launch. Otherwise, it's a total flop, you know? I tell Mike that all the time because I sell T-shirts for a living. And, I mean, I have... I've had products where I'm like, there's no way I don't sell a million of these. And I didn't do a teaser for it. I didn't I didn't do what I normally do. And then I dropped it on uh, happy hour on a Friday thinking everyone's looking at their phone and it got like it gets no love and it yeah. killed the product moving on. You couldn't sell it because it yeah, was just like that's yeah. kind of what happened with our hive mind EP. Um, we did three songs. We wrote them in three days, recorded them in three days and then they were going to be demos to shop to labels. And at some point we were just like, fuck it, let's put them out. And we just kind of like that surprised it and threw them out there. And it was not a very successful launch. It was, it was quite the flop. So, I mean, you, yeah, you got to spend like, that's why I literally have no idea when this record's going to come out. Cause by the time we shot people, the mix and master find like a label and or a PR company and decide, how we want to go about launching it. Then you got to like film all the promo or shoot all the, the, the photos. And then like you have this crazy social media calendar that's booked out for months and the, the record will finally come out. <laughs> Bro, you like should get, get Ryan Riley to endorse it. Once it gets oh, out. I know I should. Funny, <laughs> funny story also about Ryan Riley. I forgot this. So when I'm home, I do, sales and marketing directing at, at this hockey shop in town that's been around for like 20 years. But my boss just bought the skate sharpener from the blues that they just used this last year. So, so not only do I have the skate sharpener that the blues won the Stanley cup with, but I have a stick from Ryan O'Reilly a month before he won the cup too. So dude, I am so Humble surprised. Break. Wait, I'm so surprised that the blues sold that like hockey players are the most superstitious people in the world. Like I was just about to say, you guys charging more like a little bit of luck on this, on those blades. Like what goes on? Yeah, I don't know. Um, like if the season goes bad this year, like the blues fans are going to be knocking down, not like the blues yeah. players are going to be knocking down your door. Like, yo, give us our sharpener back. But no one would know. I would be like the, like the one of, two guys that had the secret info that knew that we have the skate sharpener now <laughs> oh you know boy. how many people listen to this podcast like millions like dozens <laughs> well no no now everyone's gonna know the secret but so the like blackstone that's the company apparently they wanted to like just buy a whole new machine and so they send it to blackstone and then they like redo it and like redo the tops of it and all the wheels and stuff so not only do I play drums, but I can also sharpen your skates. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good job. friend to have. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You got a synthetic rink in the back. Come shoot around whenever you want. Ooh. Oh, that's okay. sweet. I like yeah. the move. It's a good time. Are there, is it like those tiles that you like kind of put together? and? Yes. Um, but like when, once you have it like all lubricated and if it's super clean, like you can't even like notice that. You can hockey stop. You can do all your edge work and everything. Like there's more drag, there's more friction for sure. Like you got to kind of get used to that, but it helps build your muscles more, if anything, because you're having to work extra hard for every stride. My muscles uh, actually can't be built past where they're at. You're at full capacity. Yeah, it's. Uh... If you want to see calves bigger than anyone's head, 
hang out with O'Reilly for a night. Oh boy. Not only does he have like tailored suits that just like hug his butt and his calves <laughs> and his leg, like dude, like no homo. Like he is like got some fucking legs, dude. Like holy shit. Yeah. Like like I see Crosby's legs and stuff on like film, but like actually being next to these guys and they're like they're wearing their like tailored suits and then the next day he was just wearing jeans. Like those fucking calves are huge, man. Yeah. Your boy Ryo is gonna fucking call you back tomorrow after yeah. you drop this and he's gonna be like, dude, why are you loving me on the podcast so hard? Yeah, no, I don't know. It's not every day you like friends with the NHL pro. The best yeah. part too is also that you're you were hanging out with with Ryan O'Reilly. Meanwhile, Big Rig is like ten feet away from you, and you're giving him no love. He just left yeah. your team. Like you're right. Come By on. proxy, I kind of have to be a Blues fan. But the cool. Th- okay, I'll I'll tell a Big Rig story. So, uh, when we went to the practice or the night after the game in St. Louis, uh, Maroon's fiance. I don't think they're married. Francesca. I don't know. You probably, you guys probably are like what? They're yeah. They're not married yet. Okay, so she comes down and is talking to... Oh, he has a son. Hold on, I think. Yeah, I, yeah he has a son, married. but I don't think they're married. I think they're engaged. Whatever, it's okay. Sorry, I, I didn't mean it's, to cut you off here. No, bad. no, I don't think it matters regardless. Uh, she's down talking, um, and she randomly knows my buddy who I'm there with, who's also a Blues fan that like me and my cousin and my buddy were there. Um, and so he randomly knew her, and they were talking, because Kat, Zach Cassian and him got in a fight at the game and apparently like the night before they were all like drinking over at Pat Maroon's house and Cassian's like, come on, let's give him a show tomorrow. Let's fight like whatever. But apparently like they're like best friends. And, uh, and then they like fought that night and apparently like Maroon was pretty pissed off cause Cassian just kind of like blindsided him with the fight and like they didn't do like the proper what shoulder you want? Like kind of thing before yeah. they just kind of dropped him and kind of caught him off guard. So he was pretty pissed off about that. And then, uh, sh- she was kind of steaming about it. But like the next day at practice, uh, Maroon's kid was out there skating, uh, with him. And I think like Steen and Braden Shen, it was like an optional skate, but there's quite a bit of guys out there. Steve Ott was out on the ice and he had his kid out there too. And, uh, Ott's kid is like a little scrapper. He's already like trying to drop gloves with uh, Maroon's kid and stuff. So <laughs> it was just pretty funny to, cause I know like he, the big sacrifice with whatever his contract deal to just go play for his son. So the fact that he, his kid can come out on the ice with those guys and all that stuff. And then I randomly run into his fiance and I don't know, had a conversation with her. It was very weird. Small world. Small, very small world. But you know the rules now because now that you have the link, you gotta get us. You gotta get us O'Reilly now, man. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You owe it to the listeners. I do. I will definitely text him. Hit him up. <laughs> Let him know. That would be dope. But yeah, All right, man. So we've we've come up to a, a solid like over an hour. Or so just uh, <laughs> use this last little bit to plug what we can expect from Spill Canvas. So you you mentioned a decade and a half tour. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, end of October um, through the beginning of December, we are doing a decade and a half tour with Juliana Theory and Corey Wells. We're doing full U.S. Cor- wait, wait, Corey Wells. Why does that name sound so familiar? Um, He's like an up and coming, like acoustic guy. Super popular. Like the dude can sing for sure. Uh, he did a tour with like Selfish Things and the singer for Yellow Card. That's kind of how we met him because we did a tour with Selfish Things. Okay, but, that's a Canadian band, right? Yes, Toronto. Okay. Those guys are great. I love those guys. All right. But yeah, so we're on the road um, 
this fall we have a new record i don't know when it's going to be coming out but it's recorded so expect new music soon and is it a full u.s tour yeah definitely i mean i think for the most part yeah it starts in texas and goes all the way up to uh like portland and seattle and then hooks back down denver area and then the next leg starts in minneapolis and goes like up to new york and then down to florida so i'd say full u.s for sure (laughs) if you're passing by little old new york city let me know Oh, we are. Let me uh, see what it's. I think we're we're playing Brooklyn. Oh, um, uh, yeah. I, didn't, uh, I know. Kind of sucks. Where where in Brooklyn? Um, Market Hotel. Oh, that's new. All right. Guess I'm going to a new place on uh, October or no, not October, December seventh. Just let me know. Oh, will do. It's chilly. Uh, yeah, I know. It's yeah. the best time to tour, though, so you're not just sweating your balls off. All look at and also look at the spill canvas getting me to go to Brooklyn. By the way, because <laughs> I just got, I just got my team out of there, and now I'm going back into there. So yeah, big deal, big big deal. So yeah. I think you need to have like a a, a pre uh, pre show party at Offside Tavern in New York Ooh, City. I can set that up. Set that up, and then. Take the the subway over to Brooklyn and be all all set to go. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, man. Bring all the right. whole crew. Bring a bunch uh, of Isles fans. I, I would love to have, see a sea of Islanders jerseys. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll piss out. I'll, I'll piss you guys off. It's blue and orange. So if no one else in your band follows hockey that much, they they won't know the difference between the Oilers fans and the Islander fans. I like really want a Matthew Barzell jersey. Oh, same. We'll talk. <laughs> We'll talk about that off here. Maybe I could hook you up with something. Until then, <laughs> dude. We'll, Sorry we'll for talk rambling. to you again. I have a I have a good feeling about it. Yeah, absolutely. I had a I had a great time. Outstanding, Michael. Anything else? No, man. I I uh I gotta check that tour a little closer and and see if you're coming my way because I'd definitely love to uh catch another spill canvas show. I'm actually looking at handwritten all hail the heartbreaker lyrics right now as Look I'm recording. You. So <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, dude, I'm like an OG Spill Canvas fan and proud of it. So I love I'm, it. I'm, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I take pride in that, man. I'm I'm back from those MySpace days. Yeah, man, we appreciate you. All right, man. Well, best of luck on tour, and uh, we'll definitely be looking to uh, hear some new Spill Canvas coming up for sure. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Devon, how awesome was that? Like, I, I can't get over this. I can't get over yeah. these conversations that we get to have with people. It's just so awesome. I, I, yeah, and, that one. If you, and if you're just like joining us because you're a Spill Canvas fan, make sure you go back into our 
past catalog and just check out all the other interviews we've done so far. And uh, make sure you are liking, subscribing, reviewing, all that stuff. We never really say that on our episodes, and I think we should start. <laughs> I feel like if you tell people to do something, they won't do it. <laughs> so, like, hoping that people would do it on their own. But, yeah, I guess mention it once in a while. <laughs> Especially since we're, we're, like, pretty inconsistent on which days we put our episodes out. So, you know, it, you can't be like, oh, Monday, I think Bar Down's coming out with a new episode. It, it could be any day of the week, so... Could be we, we any any day. Any we're day. we're not here to be predictable. We switch it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So subscribe so you don't miss any of the episodes. Go back, check out our old ones, and uh, we got a bunch of other great interviews lined up. Just working on some people's busy schedules and whatnot, but it's gonna be a a solid season two of Bar Down. I can't believe that this is happening. Yes, yes it is. I hope that none of our future interviewers go back and listen to this interview because that one blew it away. That was a cool talk with somebody. His hookup with uh, O'Reilly was awesome uh, to hear about, which is so random but cool, you know? And what a, and of all the players in the NHL, one that wins the Stanley Cup and you get that, you have that interaction with him right before he does it, so you get to experience it too is so cool it is it's you know i'm hoping that we can hear more connections like this as we keep doing the show because there has to be guys in the nhl that have good taste in music and you know we're starting to get a few with like max legacy and then also with ryan o'reilly so there's gonna be more stories that come out i'm sure Ah, yeah for sure i just think that you know obviously like we've said a, a billion times there's such a there's such a link and you see it with you know, the fans uh, between the, the music we listen to and hockey. So you got to you gotta expect there's, you know, a good ch- a portion of players that know, you know, you know what's good in the music world. And especially the, the way that Canadian music right now, like the state of Canadian music with especially like pop punk, mm-hmm. you, you would assume that the younger guys coming up are exposed to it. Because that's really what's coming out of Canada right now is just tons and tons of fantastic pop punk. Speaking of coming out of, there's been a bunch of good music coming out of the the world at large. I guess you would say. I don't know, Mikey. What's we got? A, we got a couple of <laughs> few album drops. That was a really tough, really really tough uh, segue. But here we are, a couple album drops. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So we can't not mention. Uh, our boy Vaughn and Grayscale. And we're not just saying this because Vaughn came on our show, but no joke, Nella Vita, their new album that they just put out, is a certified banger. Like, from track one until the last track, every single song is just so good. They kind of uh, stepped out of the box a little. It's not your traditional pop punk. It's kind of... I, 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 It's not the same as Emerose's last album, but just a complete different sound than what you're used to. And they, uh, they did it really well. I'm very, uh, impressed with the album. Yeah. Um, got a lot to, lot to look forward to there. And also some tours coming out too, man. Some we knew about. I'm actually very excited to go see, uh, the boys from Grayscale and bearings, um, in the beginning of October, I know that they're on tour. Do you have anybody on your radar? Um, I'm definitely going to go to the Spill Canvas tour, 
with uh, Corey Wells and Ju- the Juliana theory. It's it's about an hour and a half away in Greensboro, North Carolina. You know, as you as you heard, I'm a I'm a lifelong Spill Canvas fan, and then because of this interview, I started checking out that solo artist Corey Wells. He's uh on Pure Pure Noise Records, and he just kills it. Like, it's acoustic rock, but also he he screams at points. It's just aggressive acoustic acoustic rock that. I really dig. And then, you know, it goes without mentioning, like, the Juliana theory is just OGs in the emo world. So uh, definitely going to check that tour out. And then, uh, my, you know, I, I keep mentioning this band, but keep flying. They're going on a full U.S. tour that unfortunately doesn't come too close to me. Um, I, I would have to drive at least over two hours to go to any of the dates. But they're on tour with kayak jones which is a fantastic um band right now uh young culture and uh home safe which home safe i believe has a few guys from the band knuckle puck so that's just a fantastic tour you should all check out for sure speaking of acoustic acoustic rock you've been telling me about i i actually checked them out too after you they were really good that was a really good um drop um what's his name from spill can that's with the spill canvas right now that you just said, what's his name? Bryce, or no, Corey Wells? No. Yeah, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he sent over that song after we interviewed Bryce, and uh, it's really good. It's exactly what you said. Because sometimes, listen, everyone loves acoustic music. If you're listening to, you know what we listen to, it's um, got a little more soul, got a little more feeling. It's you know when they take when they take songs and turn them acoustic, it's always really cool. It's got a good got a good vibe but you can't listen to it for more than like two hours normally because it just uh i don't know some some you know you listen to music for energy sometimes and like it just it's a little too mellow this guy's not at all um it get it can you know it can bop you through the day which is good yeah like you said it's heavy i'm i like it i i, I liked it a lot you guys definitely should check that out um yeah, uh, as you guys can tell, Mikey does his homework, so <laughs> he's, he's well, got... Well, I, I just, you know, these tours keep popping up, and they're all, like, bands that I'm super into right now, and there's always at least two or three bands that I really want to see on every single bill. So whoever's putting these tours together is just doing a really great job of, you know, mixing a little old with new, and I, I just, I think that kids these days are a little spoiled, man. These are great tours. Yeah, yeah, no, there, there, there's so much to look forward to. Um, <clears throat> so, that being said, we will get to these tours or some of them, most of them. Try and get some some good content for the people. For we need our... more Devin in the middle of mosh pits content. That was a that was a winner. <laughs> uh, you're not gonna just... you're not gonna see me. So if you want. To, to secretly film me at a show, you're going to have to find me at the back just, like, posting up, like, old man style, so. The last show I was able to make. Definitely need to get back to that lifestyle. And, yeah, Mikey, I mean, uh, let's uh, let's end it. Let's put a bow on it, and let's get back to it, man. Back to the grind, and we'll be one week closer to the season when this comes out, man. Yeah, dude, preseason starts this week, so we, we got sure that to, to watch. Sure. I like preseason games. Yeah. There's there's always a little scrap at at least in a game and guys fighting to make the team. I, I, I watch them. I try to watch 
most of the preseason. Yeah, you're a hockey buff. You'll watch anything. Well, that is. <laughs> but I did just cancel my AHL subscription. Uh, I mean, you weren't using it enough. It was just too tough because, you know, unfortunately, the Sound Tigers play some nights that, that the Islanders play, and the Islanders are going to, you know, definitely trump the the Sound Tigers. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Well, Mikey, let's get out of here. All right, homie. Peace be with you. And also with you. Crash and burn it all Jump back to your love